Hey everybody, Chris Avery with you on Chargers Weekly. Today we're going to wrap up our Know Your Rivals series by talking some Kansas City Chiefs with ESPN NFL Nation reporter Adam Teicher. But first, what the Chargers can learn from the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles with ESPN's Eric Williams. All right, Eric Williams joins me, and Eric, we've got the Super Bowl and, of course, the Chargers to talk about today, but I want to start with this gigantic story in the AFC. On Tuesday, Josh McDaniels, officially named head coach of the Colts in a press release, later in the day, he does a 180, heads back to the Patriots, and he leaves Indianapolis to restart their head coaching search on February 7th, three days after the Super Bowl. What was your reaction when you heard that news come down on Tuesday? Oh, I think it was like everybody else. I think I was shocked and surprised that that went down like that. You know, usually in these situations, there's kind of a handshake agreement, and obviously they can't reach a formal agreement because he's still coaching in the postseason and in the Super Bowl. But, you know, you're expecting him to to take that job. He has a relationship with Chris Ballard, the, the GM. And then you also have some assistant coaches that have already reached agreements based on McDaniels going to Indianapolis. And so – for him to kind of walk it back this late in the process, um, I think it's unfair to that organization that has committed to him and, and now has to reboot their their uh, coaching search. It's unfair to those assistants and their families that committed to those jobs based on McDaniels making that commitment. Um, and then again, you know, with, with Ballard kind of saying at the end of the presser, the rivalry is now back on, yeah. that kind of lets you know that He's going to be really going after the Patriots based on on how this whole thing was handled. Um, so yeah, it's it, it, um, it's kind of un- well. It's, I don't want to say it's unprecedented because obviously Belichick went through a similar situation, um, I believe, with the Jets. Um, but it, it's uncommon for this to go down like that in the, in the league. It is, and I thought Ballard handled the press conference about as well as you can. And Eric, it is kind of unprecedented in that. This happened five, six weeks after the regular season, and those are critical weeks in uh, a front office offseason that are essentially wasted. Many of the candidates that they interviewed, they took jobs elsewhere. Now you're three weeks away from the combine and then free agency soon after that. You don't know who your coach is. I think that affects the type of players you're looking for in free agency and also the culture that you're trying to establish. Yeah, no doubt. I think for the casual fan to say that it's a time crunch when the season doesn't begin to until September, they really don't have an understanding of you really have to get going in terms of identifying the type of players that you're going to draft and going to the combine in three weeks where you're going to be having interviews with these players and you want to know what players you want to focus on going into it. And now you don't even have your staff together. So you don't know what kind of scheme you're going to run on offense and defense to be able to identify the players that you want to you want to go after. So it is a time crunch, and you want to get those those coaches in quickly so you can get going as a personnel and, and scouting staff. And so again, you know, in, a, in an organization where there's so much at stake, um, and, and winning is really a bo- it's a bottom line business. Every franchise is trying to win. Yep. Um, it, it hampers this franchise which again is is in the AFC and is one of the teams that the Patriots would be competing against to reach a Super Bowl. And the Patriots and Colts play each other in 2018. I believe that game's in New England. That'll be an interesting weekend to say the least. The Super Bowl, Eric, very entertaining. Eagles beat the Pats 41-33. And 
I read a piece that you wrote a couple of days ago. I really enjoyed it about how the Eagles kind of showed the Chargers the blueprint for beating the Patriots. And just looking at the Chargers roster now, even before free agency in the draft, they look to have all those necessary pieces to make a push in the AFC in 2018. Yeah, when I was covering the Seahawks, you know, before I came down here, uh, Tom Cable used to always say, you know, you, you throw to score, you run to win. And I think what he meant by that is you have to have balance by running the football. and You can't just throw it 50 times a game. But that said, when you got past the 50-yard line and you start getting close to another team's red zone, you have to dial up some shots to be able to score the football because it's so hard to run when you get inside the 10-yard line yeah. uh, against NFL defenses. And I think the, the Eagles did a great job of that. They, they ran the ball effectively, you know, creating some balance. And so when they did throw it, they were able to create separation in the passing game to dial up some explosive plays. And they connected really on almost all of them. And then they played free and aggressive. You can't play scared against the Patriots because they're going to score points. We, we saw that, you know, Brady threw for – over 500 yards. So they're going to do what they do offensively. But when your offense is out there, you can't settle for field goals, which is what I mentioned in that article when the Chargers played against the Patriots. You know, they only scored 21 points, or excuse me, they only scored 13 points. Um, against the Patriots, you, you got to get in the end zone uh, to put pressure on their offense. And I thought that, um, you know, Doug Peterson did a great job of calling the game, went for it a couple times on fourth down, was successful seem to always be a step ahead of the Patriots, which is unusual. Um, and they were great on third down. And I think you have to be good on third down in order to keep the sticks moving. And again, keep those opportunities limited when you're going to be given Brady the football. Um, so just really, uh, they did everything they, they, they needed to do correctly. They executed. Um, they didn't make a whole lot of mistakes. And then I think finally, when they needed to make a critical play on defense, they were able to do that, that Brandon Graham strip sack at the end of the game to help close it out uh, was huge. Um, so they really played a, a flawless game against, you know, one of the the best franchises in league history. Yeah, and I, and I look at the Chargers, there's a lot of things that the Eagles did that kind of mirror the Chargers in that, you know, you have a you have a stud tight end, you know, in Philly and Zach Ertz, yep. Hunter Henry on this side, uh, all the wide receivers, uh, a, a quarterback that can make all the throws. And then you have a running game in, with Melvin Gordon, really the bell cow of this team, Austin Eckler coming out of the backfield to go with that defense. And you mentioned that Brandon Graham strip sack. All I could think about was Joey Bosa or Melvin Ingram coming off the edge. And I think the back half of that year, that's when the Chargers offense really started to get going, score some points. And then we saw the defense really humming in the back eight games. Yeah, I think the the back half of the season for the Chargers, you saw them kind of create an identity of how they were going to move the football on offense. You know, they kind of put it back in Phillip Rivers' hands, um, you know, went for more of a, a pass-first mindset and how they're going to move it. Keenan Allen became more of a focal point of the offense, but they still were able to run the football late and create some balance. And, and you saw them using Melvin Gordon more out of the backfield as a pass catcher. I think that was effective. Um, I think they did a, a great job of attacking the second level of opposing defenses and really putting pressure on linebackers to cover Gordon or Hunter Henry or slot uh, defenders to cover Keenan Allen in the middle of the field. So by creating that identity, I think they were able to to play from ahead a lot more than they did uh, in the first half of the season. Um, and there was less pressure, I think, on kind of keeping the sticks moving because 
they're in more third and short, third and medium situations where the first half of the season, because they ran the ball a lot more on first down, they kind of got behind the sticks a little bit. Look at the differences in the conference, too, with AFC and the NFC, Eric. NFC is extremely crowded. In addition to the six teams that made the playoffs, you got the Packers with a healthy Aaron Rodgers in 2018, the Cowboys and Zeke Elliott, you know, if he potentially plays 16 games. Upstart team in the 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo, the Seahawks and Russell Wilson, you don't know what you're going to get with them, and the Giants and Odell Beckham. In the AFC, I don't see that depth. In fact, I'd put the Chargers right in that same tier as the Chiefs and Jags under the Pats and Steelers. And honestly, the way that the Chargers played the back half of the year, you could argue that they're, they're right underneath that, that Steelers and Pats tier. Yeah, I agree with you. But I will say that, just to qualify it, the league is cyclical and things can change pretty quickly with the ability to change rosters during the offseason. That's very true. So that um, but yeah, as it stands right now, when you look at rosters on paper, I definitely think the Chargers have one of the the best six rosters in the AFC and, and and they have some continuity, which I think helps them in the AFC West. When you look at, you know, the chiefs are going to have a new quarterback in Patrick Mahomes with the, you know, trading Alex Smith to Washington. The Raiders are going to have a new offense, new defense and a new head coach in John Gruden. And then, you know, the Broncos are going to have a new offense coordinator and, and probably a new quarterback running them uh, next season. I think all of that, instability helps the Chargers because they know who their quarterback is. You know, they have their offensive system in place and their defensive system in place. Uh, they, have, they have a lot of stability going into 2018. And they have a lot of their key players signed as well. So I think that helps them. You mentioned the Broncos, too. The Broncos are going to have like five or six new coaches on Vance Joseph's staff as well. So yep. AFC West, just one month into the offseason, a lot of big-time changes. And we talk about the continuity and this actually goes back to, you know, what we were just talking about with the Colts. I talked to Tom Telesco at the Senior Bowl, and he said the biggest difference between last January and this past January is just time. You know, you have the time to actually go into an offseason, not having a head coaching search, not having the turnover that some of these teams are currently dealing with in the AFC West. How much of an advantage do you think that is, Eric, being that there are so many changes in the AFC West? Well, you didn't even mention the biggest change is you actually know where you're going to practice. That's important. <laughs> That's really important. The relocation was a big deal. <laughs> relocation. I mean, you know where you're going to go to, to practice in the offseason, and, and it's set up so you can go. And Not that there was an instability in terms of being at Chargers Park. They knew they were going to be there you know, through the summer. But now you have your new headquarters in place, and you have a bigger weight room facility, better locker room facility, better a better place to train and for your, your players to work. Um, but, yeah, I, I definitely think that's big. Um, in terms of the offseason, you have your head coach in place. Um, you have your system in place. So, you know, again, specifically what, what types of players you're looking for, both in the free agency and the draft. And um, I just think it gives you a, a head start in terms of preparing for um, September, you know, regular season and, and, and kind of that, you know, Gus Bradley always talks about the race to maturity and to get as good as you can, as quickly as you can, so you can be competing for um, a postseason spot. And I think, you know, based on what they did last year, again, I don't necessarily believe in momentum going from one season to the next, but certainly with the way that they played in the second half of last year, you have to like their chances in 2018 to, to, to reach a postseason. We have all the draft talk, 
starting now. Now the Super Bowl's over, you're going to see a lot of mock drafts, a, a lot of draft speculation. But before that's free agency, what position groups would you like to see the Chargers address in free agency, Eric? Well, I think you first have to look at your players that are going to become free agents first. And, and I think, you know, in terms of the Chargers, you have to look at Trey Boston and Kenny Wiggins that were impact players both on offense and defense and what it's going to take to get those two players signed. Um, and, and if they want to be signed or if they want to test the, the market first to kind of establish their value. So those are two players that you're going to have to figure out. Um, in terms of positions, you know, I think linebacker is key. They have to get more athletic and they have to get more sure tacklers at the second level of their defense. They have to continue to, to build more depth on the offensive line um, because you can never have enough quality offensive linemen. So I think that's an area that they'll address. And then I think they'll also kind of look at the secondary as well, depending on whether or not they can get Trey back in the fold. Um, you know, the safety position is, is going to be an area where they're going to want a little bit more depth as well. So I think those three places, along with defense tackle, just because you have some guys that are that are getting a little older uh, and Brandon Mebane and, and Corey legit, although I like the talent behind those guys, I think, you know, Isaac Rochelle is somebody that was coming in the second half. I think Damian Square and, uh, and Tenny Palapoy are, are two good rotational players. Darius Bylon had a breakout season in terms of what he was able to do. So there's some young, talented players behind those. But, again, you need to have a good defensive line to kind of protect your edge rushers and to protect Denzel Perryman at middle backer. I mentioned those mock drafts. You're going to see a million of them until draft day. ESPN's <laughs> Todd McShay just dropped his latest. He's got Derwin James. Clickbait. Fans can't help but oh, click on those things. I know, but we're all guilty of it, Eric. I mean, you always want to click and see who people have going to which team, and at least it's yeah. fun, you know, but it is, it's it's such clickbait because we haven't even started free agency yet, so this is going to change a million times. But I think McShay had Derwin James, right, the safety from Florida State going to the Chargers, and this is a guy, a lot of comps to Cam Chancellor, a, a guy that Gus Bradley's really familiar with. Yeah, that's high praise when you, when you start mentioning Cam Chancellor as a guy that you're comparing a player to. And again, you know, I, I, I saw Cam up close from when he came in as a rookie from Virginia Tech, and, and he actually played corner in college and, and had to make the transition uh, to safety. Um, the one thing that people don't give Cam enough credit for is his ability to cover in space as a guy that's 6'3", 230 pounds. He can get out there and still, you know, keep up with tight ends and at times receivers. And because of that versatility, you can move him around the football field. You don't, you don't just have to play him in the box. He can actually step back and play as a, a guy that can play deep thirds or deep halves. Um, and along with that is the leadership piece. You know, a lot of people talk about Richard Sherman and Earl Thomas um, as leaders on that defense, but really Cam was the guy in that locker room. He was kind of the voice. That, that led that defense, even though he's kind of a quiet guy. And I think that's one of the things that Gus looks for when he is looking for players in the draft. Uh, he's looking for alpha males that could come in and, and lead um, defensively. And they have guys on the, on the roster already that do that. But adding another young player that, that has that kind of attitude and that kind of swag certainly would help the defense. Eric, last thing for you. I want to get your take on this because the Chargers were 9-7 and seven last year without really any production from their first two picks. Forrest Lamp didn't see the field, and then you saw very little production from Mike Williams. Assuming they both come back healthy 
and Performer 2018 are impact players, you can look at this draft a couple of different ways with that number 17 overall pick. Do you build this roster with a player that can make an on-field impact in 2018? Or do you look for the quarterback of the future to sit behind Rivers for a couple of seasons? It's an interesting way to look at that first round, and I don't know if there's a wrong answer. I don't think there is a wrong answer. I I think if you can get a quarterback at 17 that you believe can be the eventual replacement for Rivers, I think you do it. Because quarterback is such an important piece uh, for any franchise and and what they're going to do. If you don't have a quarterback, you can't compete really in the NFL. And so that position is important to not only have a guy that can get it done now, but look at the Green Bay Packers when they took Aaron Rodgers. They drafted a guy that could get it done for them later on, and they were willing to, to have him wait a couple years. Um, so if you can get a guy at 17 that you believe you know, can do that for you, whether it's you know somebody like Baker Mayfield, although they have him going much higher now, um, but somebody like that you think fits your offense, fits your scheme, and fits your style, and and you can wait a couple years on, then I think you do that. That said, with where the Chargers are right at right now at 9-7, and seven, and I believe that they can not only compete to get in the playoffs, but actually make a deep playoff run because they have a lot of the pieces in place. If you can add another guy that can help you do that, that can be an impact player at 17, I think you also look to do that, whether it's somebody like you know Derwin James or I really like the, the linebacker out of Virginia Tech, Tremaine Edmonds, because of his, his length and his athleticism and his versatility. I think he could play all three spots at linebacker. Again, you might have to move up to get a player like that. But if you can add a piece like that 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 makes you even better, um, then I think you have to look to do that as well. It's a good dilemma to have when you select, as well as you did really in the back half of the draft, and some of these undrafted free agents that made an impact this year. You put yourself in a good position to, I guess, evaluate your options in the first round. Eric, you're going to be at the Combine in a couple of weeks, right? I'm going to be there with my parka on so I don't freeze in that indie cold. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm looking cold, forward man. to this. This is the first time I, I've been to the Combine, I don't know, about four or five years. And, and I always enjoy just being around, you know, the different organizations. And, you know, it's almost like an NFL convention uh, when you go there uh, in Indy. Um, and, it's, yeah, it's something I like, I like doing. It's like an NFL spring break in cold weather, you know, because everyone's kind of relaxed, you know, and, and you're able to talk to a bunch of different people. Uh, it's, it's really yeah. rare to get that many people in the NFL in such a relaxed setting. Yeah, that is, you're right. That's one of the things I like about it. It's informal. You know, guys are kind of hanging out at night. You, 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 you jump into a couple of different bars and you bump into some people that you haven't seen for a while and just kind of have those, those conversations where, you know, they're off record and, and you're able to learn a lot. You know, by being there over those those couple days, you know, about what's going to happen in free agency in the draft and just kind of organizationally how people, you know, do things differently from one organization to the next. I love that stuff. I love hearing about the different philosophies and just the different cultures throughout the NFL and everybody kind of converges on Indianapolis for that one week. So it'll be a lot of fun. I look forward to seeing you there, Eric, and uh, hope you have some time to take a few days of relaxation after such a great season. Relaxation? What's that, man? This is uh, the twelve-month, twenty-four-hour-day league. You got to stay working. I know. You know, from from last Tuesday to the Alex Smith trade to this Tuesday with the Josh McDaniels news. Who knows what we're going to get next Tuesday? So keep your phone on, Eric. I will. All right, buddy. Continuing our Know Your Rival series this offseason on Chargers Weekly. And today we wrap things up talking some Kansas City Chiefs with ESPN NFL Nation reporter Adam Teicher. 
And Adam, the Chiefs season, it started by beating the two teams that actually played in the Super Bowl in consecutive weeks. They won the AFC West in back-to-back seasons. And then just last week, we hear the news about that reported trade that's going to send Alex Smith to Washington. How would you describe the last five months for this organization? Yeah, it's been about as crazy as a, a time as you can imagine. Um, you know, the Chiefs, um, uh, you know, as you mentioned, got off, not only beat those two teams, New England and Philadelphia, but got off to a 5-0 start and then lost six of seven. And then they rebounded to win four straight. And then they had a big lead at halftime in the playoffs and couldn't get it done. <laughs> and then now they're um, um, changing from quarterbacks and going to Pat Mahomes from Alex Smith. So it's been a, it's been a, uh, quite a ride for sure for the last few months. And you mentioned it, Patrick Mahomes, he's getting the keys now. We saw the flashes in preseason and obviously his performance in week 17 against the Broncos. How would you assess his readiness, Adam, to take over as face of the franchise? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's going to be some growing pains, I think. Um, you know, he he's not a finished product by any stretch. And, you know, he played in the spread in college and and, uh, you know, only played three years in college. So, um, you know, he didn't, um, didn't, doesn't have a huge background. So it's, there's going to be some, uh, rough spots for sure, but, uh, you know, he, he, he's talented. I mean, uh, I think we've, we've been able to see that there's no doubt about that. So, uh, you know, the question is whether the chiefs can get more out of their offense, uh, uh, because of Mahomes. you know, it'd certainly be worth it in the short term, uh, if they could, uh, you know, I think the Chiefs are, are looking at this with the long view, as as they should. And uh, uh, but um, you know, they're, they're they're not giving up on it next season by any stretch. So um, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see what he can do right off the bat. It's going to be a different look offense when you talk about the new offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy, comes in after losing Matt Nagy to the Bears, and Bieniemy actually a second round draft pick of the Chargers back in '91. He's been on that KC staff since 2013. How much do you think the offense changes? Adam with Mahomes under center, and then you have Bienemy as the OC. Yeah, not a lot, I don't think. Um, you know, you got to remember that Andy Reid um, uh, is going to be calling the. You know, he's still going to have a huge hand in this. He's going to go back to calling the plays. Is he okay? Season. So, uh, yeah, so Reid will have a huge hand in it. So I don't think things will change. You know, they'll certainly tailor some things to Mahomes' talents for sure, as they did for Alex Smith and. Uh, um, so, you know, there'll, there'll, there'll be some shift, uh, but, uh, um, you know, the, the, this will look the same. I mean, there's not going to be a ton of stuff they'll do differently. How much do you think it affects the guys on the outside, Adam, with, with Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill specifically? Do, are, are they winners here? Do you think they'll get more targets, maybe some deeper plays? What do you see shaking out there on the outside? Yeah, I mean, that, that could happen. Uh, you know, I, I think, um, you know, the deep ball sh- should be a bigger part of the offense. Although last year it was a bigger part than it had been at any time since Alex Smith had been their quarterback. Yeah. So, uh, um, you know, it, it was, um, you know, it's not like, um, you know, th- it should be a dramatic change, but um, hey, Pat Mahomes can fling it. I mean, he, he just can. And, uh, um, you know, there, there should be some more big plays out there for the Chiefs uh, because of his ability uh, to, to get the ball deep and his willingness to get the ball deep. Uh, so there should be some more plays for for him out there. And, uh, um, you know, I, I would think that, uh, you know, some of those numbers would go up. Another guy, Kareem Hunt, fantastic rookie season. He slowed a bit towards the, the back half. How much is the return of Spencer Ware? I think that's kind of an underrated storyline this offseason, the return of Spencer Ware. Uh, how much do you think that running game changes in terms of a little bit more balance in 2018? 
Yeah, I, I think uh, Spencer Ware will have a role. Um, you know, I, I know the Chiefs like him, and um, um, you know he certainly was productive when he played for the Chiefs. So uh, you know, I, I think that uh, you know he'll have a role. How exactly that plays out, you know, we'll have to see. But um, you know, Kareem Hunt can do some things that Spencer Ware can't do. I mean, they, they they're complementary players for sure. But uh, you know, Hunt uh, better pass receiver. Um, you know, it's, um, it's, uh, one of those deals where, you know, he's just a more, a little bit more versatile player. So he'll, you know, he'll get the, uh, the, the, the big share of it, but, uh, I would think there'll be a significant enough role for, for where too. So as part of this reported Alex Smith trade, the chiefs get a third round pick and a great young corner in Kendall Fuller from the Redskins. He was fantastic in the slot last season for Washington. Uh, what's the organization's excitement level for Fuller because obviously the blockbuster was it was Alex Smith going to Washington but Kendall Fuller is a big piece to this yeah no doubt and uh, you know I don't think the Chiefs do this um, trade at least with Washington if they they don't throw uh, Fuller into the into the deal I think that's what the Chiefs how much the Chiefs think of Fuller and you know, we talked a little bit about what might be different for the Chiefs on offense. What has to change for them next year is defensively. They've got to be better defensively. They they really struggled just about all season last year, and uh, um, you know that has to get better. And, and you know, this is kind of a, fir- a first step into fixing that. The Chiefs don't have a first round pick, so uh, that you know they traded to Buffalo in return for. Uh, Mahomes last year, so um, uh, you know they're, they're, this trade does two things for the Chiefs defensively. It gets them a cornerback in Kendall Fuller, but it also um, frees up seventeen million dollars against their cap. So the Chiefs will have some money to spend, and I was I suspect that most of that will go to uh, to their defense. So I, I expect their defense to have uh, a different look next year for sure. You have Fuller, then you got Marcus Peters. He and Casey Hayward, the only two players with, I think, 11 interceptions the last two seasons. And we've seen the highs with Peters and obviously the lows. He was benched for that game later in the season for the things he did in that that Jets game. Uh, What's his standing, Adam, among the coaches and teammates in Kansas City entering his fourth season? Well, I mean, he's, he is what he is. I mean, yeah. um, you know, he, he does, he does things his own way and, and, uh, you either put up with that or you get rid of him. I mean, it's so, you know, the chiefs can have to put up with this a little bit. I mean, he's, uh, you know, he acts out and, and that's what he does. I mean, uh, um, and, uh, you know, guys have kind of, um, come to understand that about him, that there's going to be these flare ups from time to time. And, uh, you, you, and it's not going to be any other way. I don't think you're going to get that out of Marcus Peters. You need to be either accepted or, um, um, move on. One of the big losses, obviously this year, Adam losing Eric Berry, who tore his Achilles in week one against the Patriots. How is he progressing and what's his timetable for getting back on the field this off season? And you talk about Peters, I have to imagine not having a guy like Barry next to him throughout the season, that plays a, a pretty big role. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's for sure. And that was kind of an underrated factor last year that, you know, Eric Barry is the one guy that everybody on that team listens to, including Marcus Peters. So, uh, um, you know, not having him around was a factor uh, for Peters and for some other guys as well. But uh, you know, Barry's doing fine from my understanding. And uh um, uh, he, I don't know what his status will be when the uh, Chiefs start the OTAs in, in May, but, uh, you know, he may be, uh, only a part-timer and, you know, the Chiefs are generally so cautious with these things. He may not, uh, participate at all, but, um, my sense is that by training camp, he'll be ready to go. And certainly by, um, you know, the time the regular season starts. Free agency starts 
next month, you get guys like Benny Logan, Albert Wilson, the punter, longtime punter, Dustin Colquitt, all unrestricted. And there's a few guys with some large cap numbers as well, Adam. Do you think the Chiefs will be able to keep a majority of this core intact? And how many of these unrestricted free agents do you think will be coming back to Kansas City? Well, I know they'd like to have some of the uh, unrestricted guys come back, but uh, you know that uh, you know they'll have to prioritize. So not all of them will. I mean, they'll, they'll be some, making some changes, and uh, you know you're right. I think the biggest decisions r- rely more on guys who are under contract. You know, they already made the biggest one with Alex Smith, but you know, a couple of their longtime linebackers, Derek Johnson and Tom Bahali. Um, you know, do they want to bring them back? at uh, considerable cost. Um, you know, I, I, I tend to doubt it, but, uh, you know, maybe they'll take reduced deals. We'll just have to see how that all plays out. And as far as, uh, you know, some of the free agents they have, I know the chiefs, uh, love Dustin Colquitt like to have him back, but you know, he's been one of the higher paid punters in the league that may have to change if he's going to be coming back. Um, you know, Albert Wilson has done a nice job for the Chiefs, um, you know, but they've got some other receivers and um, um, I, I know the Chiefs would like to have him back, but, uh, you know, somebody else going to step up with a bigger offer. So, you know, a lot of this stuff has to play out, uh, you know, I, I think some, but, um, you know, to answer your question, I think some of these guys will be back, but there, there's going to be some change for sure. Adam, I'll get you out of here on this. If you had an off-season wish list for the Chiefs, whether it be in free agency or the draft, recognizing that they don't have a first round pick this year what would the top two or three items on the list look like and I think you kind of alluded to it especially on the defensive side yeah um just about everything would be over there um you know the 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 first thing was to uh, improve a corner and maybe the Chiefs have done that with by trading for Kendall Fuller certainly they're on their way to that so uh now I don't think corner is a must-have for them although uh they have another guy certainly wouldn't hurt um, you know, they, the other thing, uh, they, they really need to beef up their pass rush. Um, it, you know, they've been in the bottom 10 in the league in the last two years in sacks. They were in the top, um, uh, they were in the top, uh, five, I think five or six in the three, each of the three previous years. So their, their pass rush has really fallen off and, uh, well, they need to get back that, that back to at least middle of the pack. I mean, they, they really need to beef that up a little bit. So, um, you know, that that's the number one thing on defense. I think they need to uh, find, and it may be tough to do, but without a first round pick and without, uh, um, uh, a, a great, uh, pass rusher in the, uh, in free agency, uh, you know, they may have to scheme it up a little bit or, or rely on improvement on improvement from some of their own guys. Adam, we were just talking offline. It really never stops. We have the combine and free agency in the draft, the, the big Kansas city chiefs trade with Alex Smith and the Redskins. Uh, you did great work this year. I'm sure you're going to continue to be busy throughout the offseason. We appreciate you joining us for a few minutes today. Hey, anytime, Chris. And that'll do it. My thanks to Adam and Eric Williams. And thanks to you all for listening. Be sure to subscribe to Chargers Weekly on Apple Podcasts and leave a review this offseason. Help spread the word. Have a great weekend. And until next time, I'm Chris Harey.